So yes, it's like a zombie movie, but with mink. It's like it's like a Michael Jackson uh, music video. Yeah. Minkle Jackson. Uh, Minkle Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> It's Friday, December the 10th, and welcome to the last Dutch news podcast of 2021. Well, I say that, yes. although I think as we'll discover later yeah. on, I've got there's a very strong chance <laughs> we're going to be coming back next week. Yeah. As ever, this is your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Gordon Derrick, Dutch news contributing editor and Schrodinger's party pooper. And with me today <laughs> is Paul Peters, master's student in civil engineering and licensed chocolate gun owner. Yeah, uh, Gordon, let's start with your uh, job title first. I assume this is about a, an, an illegal Christmas party at uh, 10 Downing Street, isn't it? No, it's not. Because, oh. there, there, <laughs> because there wasn't one. There was no, there was no party at 10 oh, Downing right. Street on December 18th yeah. last year. Boris Johnson's been repeatedly assuring us for, the, for several weeks, for I think about two weeks now, that, that there was no party at number 10 Downing Street. 40 to 50 people did not attend. Uh, there, were not, there were no games and speeches and awards handed out by his head of press. None of this actually happened. Nevertheless, um, he's going to ask the police to investigate this party that didn't happen, <laughs> just to make absolutely sure that nothing happened and nobody turned up at a party which, remember, was in Boris Johnson's own house. And, of course, uh, don't forget that uh, this week, very sadly and tragically, even though there was no party, and um, because and we know there was no party because Boris Johnson has told us that, um, that, that all the COVID rules are followed at all times, which, of course, means if you follow the COVID rules, you can't have held a party. As, because, as Dominic Raab said at the weekend if there had been a party that would have been a serious breach of covid rules so therefore there wasn't a party there couldn't have been one but nevertheless very tragically this week uh, one of boris johnson's senior advisors allega stratton had to resign um because she was um, because when uh, a video was leaked of her laughing about this fictional party that didn't happen in a mock briefing to pretend journalists so are we clear on this what a scandal <laughs> <laughs> what a great scandal this is. Yeah. I mean, I miss these sort of scandals, right? Uh, when we had Brexit, we had all these sort of... Uh, we're in the middle of the process of, you know, getting to Brexit. We had all these yeah. uh, sort of scandals uh, uh, every week, every day, basically. So, yeah, it's yeah. it's good that we uh, finally have a ridiculous scandal again. But, yeah. uh, but it, it's... Um, I, I mean... It, what is it with uh, 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 people in government and breaking their own rules? We in the Netherlands, we also had that, right? We had Fert yeah. uh, Trapperhaus who uh, gave a wedding party, yeah. even though they were, it, what, that was illegal. Yeah. Hugged his mo mother-in-law, even though, you know, that was um, uh, not allowed. You no, had to remain one and a half meter distance, rules, yeah. uh, especially um, with vulnerable people. And, you know, she was very old. So, yeah, mm -hmm. that's... Uh, 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 it, it was much more wiser to to, to be yeah. uh, to be more careful with it, and also uh, do not do it in public, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> he was standing on uh, standing uh, outside uh, a restaurant or some sort of venue, and uh, there were uh, photographers in the bushes. But uh, and we also had um, the prime minister of Finland now recently, right? She uh, yeah. went out clubbing uh, and missed a text uh, saying that she. But might have, have been have, infected have, with coronavirus. Her foreign so, minister, I think, had, had either been infected herself or come into contact with somebody being infected, and therefore she should have been self-isolating. She should have, yeah. she should have test, taken a test and self-isolated and not gone out to a nightclub till four in the morning in a kind of Finnish Dunson met Janssen. I don't know what the Finnish equivalent <laughs> is of Janssen, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, I'm not going to uh, do an effort in, uh, in uh, we have, pretending to... We have a half Finnish colleague who I'm sure can tell us, but uh, I'm not going to preempt that. No, no, no. We'll. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah uh, I mean, there were so many surprising layers in that story. I mean, having a uh, prime minister that actually goes out clubbing and yeah. also at until 5 a.m. or something so yeah really late yeah. i'm not sure what the what the rules are in finland but it it sounds like a very i'm not sure if she actually broken any rules but it does sound very uh irresponsible uh especially for a prime minister yeah uh, yeah i think yes exactly yeah. And, and speaking of um yeah irresponsible prime ministers uh, yeah, no no doubt she'll release a statement saying that the covid rules are followed at all times um, yeah and yeah was, exactly and, and she wasn't out clubbing at all yeah, but it's kind of curious. Just coming very coming back briefly to this um, the, the the situation with the British government, that the, the 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 whole line that they, that they just seem to have continually uh, just 
punted out this line that um, that there wasn't a party and yet all the COVID rules were followed. No, that they didn't know what was going on, but the COVID yeah. rules were followed. Well, one of those two must be false. You know, it's kind of... Uh, yeah. And yet, yeah. Uh, that's, so it's, it's just bizarre. The, 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 and their standard response to all questions now is the rules have been followed, let's move on. When it's quite clear yeah. from all the evidence coming out, the rules have not been followed. So Do we think... Uh, Boris Johnson wasn't attending this party because he was hiding in a fridge. It could well be. Yeah, it could be. But that's why he didn't know whether or not there was a party going on uh, in in his uh, official residence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He lives there, right? Yeah, that's the. Yeah. The, the, or he lives. Uh, I think there's a flat like above number eleven. I think which is maybe where he lives. So maybe. Mm. Yeah. Maybe he wasn't aware. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, very good sound insulation in uh, Ten Downing Street, Clearly. apparently. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, to, to, um, and to, yeah, to, uh, to come back to uh, the noisy things. Uh, what, what's uh, how did you come to be in possession of a license to own a chocolate to, to shoot chocolate? So uh, <laughs> it was Sinterklaas this week, right, yeah. December fifth, and uh, usually we celebrate that with chocolate letters. Yeah. Um, I heard there was uh, th- there's always a problem with the letter G or something. Or uh, I saw someone on Twitter complaining about Somebody it. Oh, no, on so, Facebook uh, said that they couldn't find a letter G, which is news to me yeah. because I've had a letter G every single year since I've lived here, and I've never had a problem finding one. So maybe there's only one, and you always manage to, uh, yeah, to snatch to it away. It. Yeah, yeah, just, just like uh, just like the uh, HL News always uh, uh, is the first and the last one with the with the budget on Prinsjesdag. Yeah, you are the Fritz Wester of uh, chocolate <laughs> letters. Yeah, I said that should be my my job. That should be my job title. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, j- just put it on your on your on your resume. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, 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 apart from chocolate letters, apparently we also have uh, uh, other items in uh, in chocolate. And a man in Maastricht um, opened his door one morning and uh, got the scare of his life because he he saw a gun laying on his doorstep mm. and he was like what the hell is going on so he called the police and they uh you know naturally uh, 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 uh came with uh, with a lot of uh, uh sirens and a lot of uh, police mm-hmm. cars and investigated the object and concluded very quickly that it wasn't a real gun but a chocolate gun <laughs> um and i wonder remained... how they concluded it was a chocolate gun did one of the police I think they just, uh, eat it you know, i think yeah there is a standard uh, <laughs> tasting test i think especially uh, in december to see if it is uh, chocolate or not no it, there was a photo uh, released by um uh, l ain i believe and uh, yeah you could clearly see that it was chocolate because it was in a standard uh, you know, like in a box that you also see with the uh, chocolate letters, for example. So, yeah, it yeah. was pretty obvious, but I can imagine that if you uh, don't examine it uh, very closely that you uh, might overlook the fact that it was edible. Mm. Um, but, yeah, the, luckily for him, uh, uh, it was only chocolate yeah. and no threat or anything. No, no threat at all. Well, unless you, if you had it all in one go, I guess that could be a, a, a health hazard. But, uh, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's good to know. Yeah, did did the police take the chocolate gun away? Is it, they try to is it confiscate it as a so they could uh, eat it back at the station? Um, I think they just handed it back to the guy. I, I'm not sure. It's uh, that's yeah. uh, the story doesn't tell. No, no. Okay. Maybe they shared it. That that that's something that I would do. I think. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So there's like a Sinterklaas uh, treat for the for the officers. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, without further ado, we should move on to the uh, op-ed for the week, which also contains one of the one of the highlights of the year for us. Uh, w- w- what was it this week, Paul? Yeah, uh, the end of the year is uh, quickly approaching, and that means that we are starting to see the return of the treasured Dutch tradition of end-of-the-year lists. Is that typically something Dutch? Or do you receive that, think, for no, example, in the UK as well? I think. Uh, yeah? yeah. Oh. You get the end-of-the-year list, and you also get the, sort of the look back over all the events of the year. No, I, th- I don't think that's something that's unique to the Netherlands. Okay. Well, we have so many that I thought, well, maybe it's uh, it's something typically Dutch. But uh, I, th- I think the Dutch uh, lists are longer than everyone else's. Like <laughs> that's right, because your favorite uh, uh, end of the year list is, of course, the top two thousand. Yes. Uh, the list with the uh, uh, yeah the election actually of the of the two thousand best songs according to uh, the Dutch. And yeah, we have a horrible taste in music. And uh, yeah, that's what the top two thousand shows clearly. Yeah. Um, I always find it fascinating that this, you know, voting on the top 2000 best songs uh, 
attract more voters than uh, your average election in the Netherlands, right? We, we literally millions and millions of people uh, vote for this. So uh, it is a very yeah. accurate list uh, in terms of uh, uh, what the Dutch prefer to listen it's to. It's an accurate list of what kind of middle-aged people who vote in these polls uh, want to hear again. Uh, again and again, <laughs> and, again and, and again. again. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and another tradition is, of course, our very own Ophef of the Year lists. Uh, yes. We will uh, do a special episode uh, in uh, in the Christmas break, and we'll also have a very special uh, guest for that. Uh, that episode will become available for Patreon listeners uh, in 2021, and at the end of the year, uh, uh, at the start of the new year, it will also be available for the other listeners. Mm-hmm. Um the Ophef of the Week, however, comes from the annual Word of the Year election. The uh, Dikke van Dalen Dictionary has nominated 15 words that are in the running to officially become the Word of the Year 2021. Uh, and people have until December 20th to vote. And uh, yeah, shall we take a, a quick look at uh, at the list? Uh, yes. Uh, Gordon, do you remember what uh, the year, the Word of the Year 2020 was? Um, I was trying to scratch my head trying to remember what it was. I'm guessing it was something to do with Corona. But, yeah, so, definitely. It was yeah. uh, anderhalve a meter match. Uh, of course it was, yes. One and a half meter yeah. society. So um, uh, one of the um, nominees is uh, Delta variant. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that uh, doesn't need any explanation. Uh, Finfluencer. I, I didn't, I never heard about that, but uh, uh, it's probably a social media financial advisor. That's one yeah. of the few words that doesn't have anything to do with uh, coronavirus uh, on this nomination list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's also a, a meme and deal, which is like a meme stock. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. so I guess uh, it refers to things like NFTs and uh, things that are online that are now becoming financially valuable. People tra- people trading in memes, yeah. Uh, my favorite is, I think, Wappi-geluid. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah, Wappi is, is sort of slang for conspiracy theorists and yeah. uh, geluid is, uh, yeah, sound. So it's the it's the uh, 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 talking points of, of Wappies. Misleading comments made by conspiracy theorists. Uh, vaccinatie voordringer, also a nice word. Uh, yeah, uh, vaccination yeah, cue jumper. Yeah. I think in general, this is kind of a bit of a disappointing list, really. Yeah. Of, yeah. Uh, you know, Delta variant. Is that really sort of a really creative use of language? I don't think so, really. It's, um, no. There's a few that stick out. I quite like influencer as a word, even though I've never actually heard it. And there's others that are just um, just seem to be like sort of straight translations of uh, English terms like gevoeligheidslezer, which is a sensitivity reader. That came up in the whole row about uh, Marijke Lucas Reinefeldt uh, translating um, Amanda Gorman's uh, oh, uh, po- yeah, poem yeah. for you know Joe Biden's inauguration. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but generally speaking, and ku er samenleving, I mean, that's not even a word, is it? That's a couple of letters uh, latched onto the front of a, a word that we already have. So I think this one will, will win, I think, because it sums up 2021 yeah. uh, the best I think yeah. uh, but it's uh, usually we have much more creative words I yeah. I, I agree yeah you, yeah. yeah but you, you know you know my favorite word of the year uh, what is it op, well, that we had from last week from uh, Oppeprik Oh, Oppeprik. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of surprised that it, it didn't make the list, actually. But I, guess, uh, I think it's probably a late entry. They probably drew the yeah, shot before could be. you know, Oppeprik made it into the, you know, bro- broke through into the public consciousness. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, but the real Ophef uh, this week was about one of the uh, nominees. That's Prikspijt, which yes. is actually quite a uh, creative word, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, it means vaccination regret. So yeah. if you regret getting vaccinated, you have uh, spite of your prick. Um, yeah, and depending on which side of the internet you ask, people were either very happy or disappointed with this nominee in particular. Um, it was the Prikspite nomination was welcomed by the group of people that disapprove of any corona measure and especially the vaccination program and the QR society, the Wappies, as we called them. Uh, and on Twitter, a campaign started among among them to vote en masse for Prikspite in order to make a statement against the cabinet's intention to make vaccinations compulsory. Yeah. Although um, we should point out the cabinet does not intend at the moment to make vaccinations no. compulsory. Yeah, it depends a bit on who you ask. Well, they, they feel like it is uh, sort of compulsory. It's it's not yet officially, but they're yeah. doing everything they can in order to uh, uh, make you get uh, your jab, which uh, is the most sensible thing uh, to do, it by is. the way. Yes. Um, 
Other people said the dictionary could have seen uh, this uh, uh, campaign coming and shouldn't have nominated the word in the first place. Uh, but it isn't the first time uh, the election of the word of the year was hijacked. In 2008, Schockblock Geenstel called on its readers to vote for the word swaffelen, uh, which ultimately won. Do you know what swaffelen means, Gordon? Swaffelen? Um, no, I don't. Um, it means... Uh, swinging your uh, penis to an object <laughs> or a person. And uh, this word came into the news after one of my favorite ophefs that was a, uh, there was a school trip uh, to India and uh, some, one of the students, the boys were filmed uh, swaffling the Taj Mahal. Uh, it, it was, uh, that video came out on the internet, caused a lot of ophef, especially in India, because, you know, the Taj Mahal is a, a sacred place for a lot of people. And uh, yeah. yeah, it oh, was yes, uh, yeah, very yeah. disrespectful. Yeah, I remember now. I remember. Yeah. But uh, um, um, this word came into the Dutch idiom because of this ophef and uh, you see it being used on a regular basis. So yeah, it's um, ophef uh, sometimes leads to um, uh, 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 to um, uh, uh, the enrichment of, of the Dutch language. And uh, that's yes. with the swaffle. Well, the swaffle was, the case. yeah, but I don't <laughs> see that uh, any of this, uh, this year's nominees um, <laughs> are likely to, yeah, to, to, to enrich the language. They're, no. they're all quite functional. Yeah. Oh, and we talked about uh, uh, we talked about Bokito, the, the the silverback gorilla, two weeks ago. He was infected yeah. with corona. He's uh, 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 cured, by the way, so everything is fine with the gorilla. Um, but his uh, Bokito proved the word that we talked about again uh, as well uh, was also word of the year in two thousand seven. So yeah, you see that uh, uh, winners of of this contest often find its way into uh, into the Dutch idiom. Yeah, indeed. I was just having a look to see um, uh, to, to see if the Belgians had come up with anything better, because uh, quite often yeah. I think the Belgian word for the year is more is better than the, the Dutch one, including my my favorite all time favorite word of the year, I think, which was uh, some some sex, <laughs> which is uh, some some so some some sex. Yeah. So where, 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 where parents put uh, children's TV on for ten minutes, which gives them just enough time to sneak out of the room and do something more interesting, <laughs> while their, their four year olds are otherwise occupied enjoyed that but all uh, thanks to Gert Verhulst <laughs> indeed yeah. Um, yeah so they have uh, yeah the the, the, the the Belgian nominations include um, uh, Friemelhaat which I quite like Friemelhaat uh, yes which is being um, yeah uh, being oversensitive to other people's fidgeting fiddling yeah yeah Friemel, yeah, so. yeah. Quite that. yeah that's uh, yeah. That's, that's a nice word yeah yeah there's a knaldrang which is a strong desire to kind of uh, yeah sort of, sort of go, go a bit mad, you know. Which I guess is uh, I guess a bit of a corona one, you know. The the idea that because you you were in lockdown for much of the year or you couldn't go out and do things, there's now sort of a, you know, people got this urge to 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 make up make up for lost time. Yeah, yeah. knaldrang. I think that's a syndrome that uh, is especially severe in uh, certain suburbs of the Hague. I think right. Yeah, certain suburbs of the Hague yeah. and places like Fulham Dumb as well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, another Bel uh, Belgian concoction is a Tweede Hans Lucht, secondhand air. So yeah, that sounds air, disgusting. <laughs> it does sound appalling. Yeah, uh, which again is which is air that you breathe in a badly ventilated room. So the implication is that uh, mm. yeah, it, it is highly likely to be infectious. So yeah. maybe some slightly better offerings, I think, from the Belgians, but still not that inspiring. This week we ask if Omicron will trigger a new surge in coronavirus cases, will the Netherlands have a new government for Christmas, and will we get a gift receipt so we can send it back? Pressure grows on Schiphol Airport to cut pollution, Formula One's crown prince Max Verstappen keers up for the final race of the season, and Princess Amalia performs her first official duty after turning 18. Everyone over the age of 60 will be able to have a booster jab if they want one. That's according to the GGD Health Service Network, who say there are 3 million doses available. This week, Ernst Kaupers, the head of the Acute Care Association, said speeding up the booster campaign was essential to relieve the strain on hospitals. So far, around 850,000 booster jabs have been given since the first one on November the 18th. People born in or before 1950 can now book an appointment by phone or online, and next week the capacity is due to go up to 700,000 jabs a week. Well, it's better, but for comparison, the UK has now given 21 million booster shots, Germany 15 million, France nearly 10 million, and even Ireland has given a million people a third vaccine dose. Yeah, but we are doing it, of course, much... Uh 
much more unsymbolic and yeah uh, we're not doing symbolic uh, pricks and yeah uh, yes and uh, yes and and, and and once again um yeah the who who is saying how important how important it is to get vaccinated without actually arranging for people to be vaccinated yeah exactly yeah dutch carefulness yeah. in action yeah um so but do people actually want the booster vaccine or are they saying no i don't want it well most people do uh, but around uh, according to a survey by local focus uh, around one in ten who have had the two doses so far aren't keen to get a third one one thing that might sway them is that the european union is just brought in a time limit for covid passports uh, so if you want to cross the border, you need to have had uh, you, 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 your second jab uh, in the last nine months. Otherwise, you need to have a booster or you, you won't be able to use your uh, COVID pass to get across the border. So you will still be able to travel, but then you know, your count is non-vaccinated. I didn't even get my second doses. So. Oh, because you had a Janssen, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's, that's another whole Oops. business. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and of course, there's also people who've uh, yeah, who've uh, had the infection and then get the sec- get the second jab and not the first one. Uh, yeah, that, that's um, yeah. In some cases, that they have more trouble traveling. Brussels have wanted to introduce this new rule from January the tenth, um, but after a bit of uh, negotiating horse trading and uh, countries like the Netherlands uh, saying, "Oh, we need to catch up on our boosters," it'll be February the first. Uh, so uh, yeah, so, it's, so a lot of people um, potentially are going to miss out on skiing holidays if they don't get their boosters. Although we started so late that most people of an age to go skiing uh, didn't get their second jab until you know sort of uh, May or June. So it's probably going to be okay. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and also um, the, the MPs uh, uh, voted this week uh, to allow uh, children from the ages of five to eleven to get the vaccine if they if their parents uh, uh, give their consent. So. Uh, to, to, and uh, the GGD say that if everything is signed off in time, then they can start uh, giving the first uh, vaccines to young children from the 20th of December. Hmm. And um, this is all to do, of course, with the emergence of the uh, Omicron variant. Yeah, Omicron, Omicron, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, my, my dad was visiting this uh, this week, and we, we both said we thought it was uh, pronounced Omicron, but everyone's calling it Omicron. But I think that just... Tells you once again that uh, English public schools uh, are, are a very expensive <laughs> failure because uh, we were both educated through the English public school system. But. Well, to, to be honest, I I had Greek, ancient Greek, uh, in high school as well, and during my studies, I worked with a lot of Greek letters in formulas and yes. uh, 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 physical quantities and stuff like that. But for some reason, they always skip the om- omicron letter. So I completely okay. forgot that it even existed yeah. until this variant came. Around, I was like, "Oh yeah, that, it's in the Greek alphabet." Yeah, I I completely forgot that it existed. Yeah, it's uh, it's a strange one anyway. Yeah, anyway, the, um, the evidence on Omicron suggests it's reinfecting a lot of people who have been infected already with one of the previous variants, or people who've had two vaccine doses. So, the, so that's why there's the worry that uh, the vaccine is that you've had already in the summer is not going to protect you against this variant. Mm. Three doses give much better protection against uh, Omicron, according to Pfizer, the vaccine manufacturer. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have any interest in uh, no. providing third doses, of course. Yeah. No, no vested interest at all. No. <laughs> uh, but they've done the research, and that's uh, that's what they came back with. So far, it looks like Omicron causes fewer cases of serious illness, and that's partly because infections are concentrated in the young, who don't end up in hospital so much with coronavirus. Uh, but you know, it's very early days, and we don't know what's going to happen if and when it gets passed through to the older generation. But it's also much more infectious. Uh, some studies suggest up to three times as much. So that then even if the, the overall risk you know, per infection of severe illness is lower, if it spreads fast enough and you get enough cases, it can still overwhelm your healthcare system. So yeah. it's still a concern. You know, the, the original variant was uh, much less infectious. And yet, you know, you still got these sky high uh, numbers in hospitals in, you know, back at the start of the pandemic. We've seen the average number of cases in the Netherlands drop slightly to just over 20,000, but that is partly due to this new self-testing policy. So now people who've got symptoms uh, are advised to take a self-test first and only book a PCR test if that's positive. So number of infections are dropping, but then fewer people are going for tests. And you can see that in the positive test rate, which at last weekend got up to 27%, which is the kind of figures we haven't seen since the the very first couple of months of the pandemic. And back then you'd have like, you know, um, it's a couple of hundred cases a day and with the 27% rate. And now we have 20,000. So, you know, go, yeah. go figure. 
Hospital cases have leveled off. There's around 2,800 people in hospital and just over 600 in intensive care. But um, yeah, I mean, we haven't really seen them starting to fall yet. Uh, and although yeah, Ernst Kappos, I think, said this week that it looks as if we've hit the peak, the question is whether these numbers are going to come down fast enough to give the hospitals enough scope to, to cope with um, the effects of Omicron. Yeah, uh, and one of the measures that's being... Um, uh, a lot of people are... Uh, requesting and urging the government to take is to close the schools. How yeah. is uh, that going? Uh, well, it's not going to happen, is the short answer. Um, that was a decision of um, Education Minister Ari Slob this week, which is controversial because the outbreak management team said that schools uh, recommended that the schools should finish a week early for Christmas, uh, as is happening in other countries, such as Denmark. Uh, but Health Minister Hugo de Jonge uh, said that an extra week off school was undesirable at a time when children were still catching up from last year. I wonder why the health minister is talking about um, education, suddenly taking such an interest in schools. In well, he was a school teacher. <laughs> yeah, he was. But uh, yeah, in a in a in a in a, uh, a far away um, past. So yeah, life. he has some eye on it, I think. Yeah, but perhaps there's another reason that we'll talk about a bit later. Oh. The World Health Organization, incidentally, has said schools should stay open through the winter, but with better preventive measures. Uh, closing schools last year did more harm than good, especially to children's mental and social well-being, according to the WHO's regional director, Dr. Hans Henry P. Kluger. So, wow, that's uh, <laughs> that's an impressive name. <laughs> it's a great Bond villain name, isn't it? Yeah, we thought Fred Clapper House was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this one is even better. Yeah, um, yeah. It is. It is. I understand the dilemma. You don't want to mess with uh, with the children's education uh, even more than we already did. Uh, but on the other hand, I mean, we see so many infections among children, and also, um, if you just look at how many schools and how many uh, classes stay at home now because the infection rate is too high or mm. it, because the teachers are infected then you know the pragmatic thing would almost to just close the schools anyway yeah d d generally i'm against the idea of uh, closing schools because it yeah. does have such an impact on children but i think one extra week at christmas when yeah to be honest that they're not doing a whole load of learning especially in the last couple of days except for maybe the the the, the, the children who are actually in their exam year but 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 most uh, classes are not doing not a whole lot um and no, it does it, to give them that just a little bit of extra time maybe to break the infection cycle and as you say so many schools are off now so many classes are off uh, because the the infection is spreading so so quickly uh, but on the other hand you know i think people who say just shut the schools you know for through the winter and uh, take lessons online i think that's a very you know that's a very undesirable thing because you know if yeah. it's fine if your house is set up where you've got a laptop you've got a parent or somebody who can supervise a child during the lessons but in a lot of households it's not the case i mean i, yeah. I I'm, I'm a single parent and i had to work and supervise my child's education all, all by myself uh, through the yeah. lockdown and it was hard for both of us and the quality of the education online is just not as good as when you're in the classroom or the so, quality of education by Gordon Derrick is just well, not maybe, so good. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe you I'm are, not you as... Maybe, here's a radical idea. Here's a strange thought. But maybe I'm not as good at educating my child as someone who's gone through <laughs> teacher training. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's a radical, uh, radical thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, yeah, it's undesirable, but... Yeah, if it's necessary, then let's just do it. But yeah, I... Um, for a shorter time. Yeah, I think for a short time, just to, just it, to try and get the infections down. It, 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 if there's it, it, any it time uh, we can do it, I mean, when it's uh, not so harmful as uh, at other times, it is the week before Christmas, probably. Mm. Or Yeah, so... Um, it seems like a um, pretty good idea, I think. If we, if, we, if we close the schools for a week, then let's just do it before the Christmas break. Yeah, but better that than, than being forced to close them for much longer after Christmas. Because that's inevitably exactly. the, the price you pay if you don't intervene early enough. Yeah. But uh, yeah, as I said many times, I'm just uh, happy that I don't have to make these decisions. Uh, yeah, me too. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very hard dilemma and uh, yeah, not an easy one. White smoke isn't yet coming out of the chimney of the logement in The Hague, where the four current coalition parties are negotiating a restart of their coalition. But virtually all media reported on Thursday that they're very close to reaching an agreement. 
It is expected that today, on Friday, the agreement will be finalized and uh, will then be sent to the Trade Kamer factions of the negotiating parties who will have the weekend to read and comment on the document because their uh, approval is formally required. Formation insiders told the media the presentation of the agreement is expected on either Monday or Tuesday. Uh, this will ensure the Tweede Kamer can have a debate on the agreement before the Christmas recess. And it also means that our Christmas recess is a little bit... Messed uh, um, uh, up. Uh, uh, messed up because we we plan to uh, have this episode to be the last uh, episode before the Christmas yeah. break. But yeah, if there is an agreement and uh, there probably will be, then uh, yeah, we will have an emergency episode record. at some yeah. point in the uh, in the week, but probably not on Friday. No. Um, this doesn't mean, however, we'll have a new government because after the agreement is reached, we'll enter into the final phase of the formation, and that is the actual formation of the cabinet. Mark Rutte will be appointed as a formateur and will have the task to search for ministers to fill his cabinet. And it is expected that a record number of 20 ministers and 10 deputy ministers will post next to the king on the steps of House Dumbo's palace. Uh, eight ministers will come from the largest uh, VVD party, six from Deze Sester. CDA will deliver four ministers and Christianini uh, only two and it's also reported that half of the ministers will be female and the hope is there to have them all sworn in in the second week of January and as of today the formation of Rutte's cabinet lasted a record number of uh, 268 days. I was curious about that point about the uh, gender balance in the cabinet because last uh, time uh, for Rutte's cabinet Rutte was very dismissive of that idea and he said uh, no I don't care about that I just picked the best people for the job. Yeah and yeah. now they uh, they have set a um, yeah a hard um, a hard fifty fifty line yeah fifty fifty line yeah. Uh, yeah might be the work of Sigrid Kaag. I think I it think might well who, be the fact yeah the, the the first deputy prime minister is uh, yeah is now well well the leader of the second largest party I should say we don't know she probably won't be no no she will be deputy PM but, yeah uh, yeah it is it is it is a woman that seems to have made a yeah to, uh, caused a shift in uh, Mr Rutter's mindset yeah. Um, and I mean, uh, is always happy to uh, to adjust his position if that's uh, required. He's to, always very uh, flexible. He's always way, yeah. very flexible, and this yeah. uh, proves that point. Yeah, yeah. And meanwhile, the uh, the plans for the agreement have started to leak out. Yeah, that's right. Uh, NSA reports that the new cabinet will reduce the gap between primary and secondary school teachers by increasing the salaries of primary school teachers. There's always a, a disbalance between those two groups of teachers. Uh, yeah. A lot of people were criticizing that and, that's, and they're going to restore this. Uh, the national education program that was set up to reduce the um, yeah, leerachterstand, the sort of... Uh, yeah, to support children who've fallen behind in education. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 the learn, learning deficit, you could say, but it's not really... Yeah. That's, uh, no, but that's yeah. uh, probably a good translation for this yeah. word. Uh, the learning deficit that was caused by the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, this program was set up to uh, uh, to fix that, but this program will probably be made permanent. Um, and earlier it was reported that two major funds will be set up as well. One is aimed at tackling climate change and reducing carbon emissions and the other was uh, uh, aimed at reducing nitrogen emissions. And insiders told NSA that the four coalition parties are also planning, probably money is not, an, not, a, tr not a problem here, uh, to set up a large one-off pot of money for housing uh, and also more money will be made available for defense. Yes, uh, those and, are yeah. the latest um, leaks. Yes, and they're also due, uh, talking uh, yet again for the 160th uh, consecutive cabinet about bringing in uh, pay by the kilometer for yeah. for cars. Rekening rider. Rekening rider, yeah. So they might finally actually bring this in now. Which, uh, the, do you remember earlier this year, Dutch, so the Dutchies editor... I'm opposed to that, uh, <laughs> What? I'm very much opposed to that, but that's yeah, fine. Opposed to that. I, bet, I bet you are, <laughs> given how much time you spend on the roads. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah that, I think it's fine. But uh, do, do, you might remember earlier this year that the editor of Dutch News uh, received an old newspaper from about 2003 yeah. um, on the doorstep. As somebody in the neighborhood was going around just delivering at, uh, old newspapers at random. It's a strange thing. But one of the headlines on that front page was, uh, you know, cabinet uh, poised to bring in you know, pay by the kilometer. So, <laughs> yeah, and it also always draws a lot of um, pushback from especially uh, the largest newspaper in the Netherlands, the Telegraaf. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, because of that pressure, uh, we, we've, we've been talking about Rekeningrijde, uh, driving by the kilometers um, f for many years now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's finally uh, going to happen apparently, uh, even though it's going to take a lot of time in order to implement it. So we uh, um, 
uh, we'll only probably see it after uh, Rutte's fourth cabinet uh, yeah. to come in place. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to go for a symbolic charge here. Are no. They're going to be as, 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 as quick to roll this out as they are to roll out the, the, the booster vaccines. <laughs> yes, and yeah. I, uh, I don't mind that at all. I bet you don't. Um, and, but also, I think a question a lot of our listeners uh, will be concentrating on is uh, what is going to happen with uh, our favourite uh, minister and second-hand car salesman, Hugo de Jonge? Is he going to keep um, yeah. his job? Minister Flowershoe. Um, <laughs> yeah, he has said in the past months repeatedly that he uh, really wanted to stay on as health minister. He wants to finish the job that started with uh, with the pandemic. But, you know, with his speed of, of how quickly he works, that will yeah. probably be an, 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 an eternity. Um, but it doesn't look like that is going to happen because it is reported that CDA will not be granted the health ministry. And yeah, as a consequence, Hugo de Jonge will not return to that post who is, of course, a CDA uh, minister. Yeah. Um, someone else is going to uh, take over. Where It's not clear uh, which party or uh, who will do it, of course. Uh, we will going to have to wait for that. But uh, I was kind of surprised to see that, uh, to hear from journalists that the uh, health ministry is still a very much desired post because, you know, <laughs> it, it, very, very, a lot of money is, is involved in it. So yeah. that's um, uh, that means it is quite a prestigious uh, ministry, of course. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, given... The coronavirus pandemic and also how um, critical people are and uh, yeah. uh, 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 how, how much uh, the health minister is attacked because you know even though he has not done a very good job in my opinion yeah. he, 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 he has a lot to deal with in terms of criticism both by the media and by the public yeah it is um, kind of the definition of a poison chalice isn't it really? yeah. So, yeah but still the, the the health ministry is apparently very uh, very desired so yeah that's uh, uh, it is very much part of the negotiations and yeah CDA is uh, is missing this boat um, the question now is um, will Hugo de Jonge return to another cabinet position um there are apparently, I heard from Gordon, uh, rumors <laughs> that uh, he might go to the education ministry. I missed that. Um, but yeah, it's that's um, also a large ministry, of course. So um, Yeah, and uh, Anwar, where he's got experience and a background, obviously, uh, having been a teacher in a previous life, when yeah. probably he wore much more sensible shoes. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah uh, there's a picture of him uh, 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 um, playing two flutes at one time. Uh, which he apparently yes. did on many occasions while he was teaching. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is a very disturbing photo, by the way. But that's uh, that's all right. Um, yeah. I don't know why we're talking about flutes now, but uh, let, let's go back to the script. <laughs> let's stop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's also uh, there's also questions about uh, finance minister and CDA leader Wopke Hoekstra. It is uh, yeah a very a public secret that uh, his desire is to uh, stay on as finance minister, but Unfortunately for him, traditionally that post goes to the second largest coalition party, and that uh, would be Deze's assessor. Uh, so that means that uh, he is not coming back as finance minister. Uh, some expected that you know if he couldn't get that job, he might uh, he, he would prefer to uh, to stay on as a PM, as the uh, faction leader in the Tweede Kamer. Yeah. But um, the NSA reports now that uh, he has made a decision to uh, return to the cabinet, uh, but it is uh, still unknown yet which ministry he will. Uh, he will take. Yeah, possibly social affairs. That's Might fair. be. Yeah, I've, I thought I caught a, uh, a suggestion of that on news here. I heard again, that as well. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, but we will see. But all this, I think, is going to come out probably next week. We will have at least uh, an outline coalition agreement and a lineup of ministers before Christmas. That's the expectation, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yes. There's an ill wind blowing around Schiphol Airport. The incoming government has been told it may have to cut traffic by 20% to comply with regulations on noise and nitrogen compound pollution. And environmental campaigners are threatening to take Schiphol to court because it failed to apply for a nature permit two years ago. The permit is a legal requirement and sets limits on the airport's impact on the local environment. NOS quoted legal sources this week who said the new cabinet would have to take drastic measures to meet the pollution targets, such as buying out local farmers and cutting speed limits around the airport to 80 kilometres an hour. So hmm. more, more misery for road users. I, I think that's just for cars, right? Not the aeroplanes. That, that <laughs> I would, hope uh, it's for cars, yeah. <laughs> that would cause problems. It would also have to cap takeoffs and landings to around 400,000 a year, 
ministers are due to discuss the issue around Schiphol at Friday's cabinet meeting, but nobody from the government was prepared to speak on record. An infrastructure ministry spokesman said, everything we say would have legal consequences for the state, which sort of sounds like they're expecting quite a long and difficult legal battle ahead. Yeah, sounds like a threat. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but that, uh, that's not the only reason Schiphol is getting its wings clipped this week, right? I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah. I hope you appreciate the quality of yeah. puns in this, uh, this item. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yes, but that's true because the airport and Dutch national airline KLM have been ignoring warnings that workers who are exposed to aircraft emissions have a higher risk of heart disease and lung cancer. TV documentary Zembla reported that health and safety inspectors told the two operators in 2007 to reduce exposure to exhaust fumes as much as possible, but they didn't really do anything with that. Around 20,000 people work on Schiphol's platform, where they come into contact with stationary or taxiing aircraft which emit ultrafine particles. A member of the FNFA union said unusually high numbers of workers develop cancer during their working lives and the damage should be compensated. Patricia Fatalis, Director of Operations at Schiphol Group, said it would conduct a review into how it would better protect its personnel. Uh, so, yeah, really sharp um, response there. Yeah. Uh, the Social Affairs Ministry's Inspectorate is also investigating the issue, Simbler reported. Uh, so, what are the possible solutions that are being proposed? Well, yeah, one thing this has done is uh, reopen this uh, whole debate once again about Lelystad Airport. Uh, which uh, is never ending or, or never starting, actually. I mean, the, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we have, of course, we had the uh, the the um, uh, the H word, the mm. rente aftrek. We yeah. have the R word now, re- rekening rijden, yeah. and we also have an L word, yes. Lelystad uh, Lelystad. Airport. It's also in a very uh, hot political topic right so uh, yeah, yeah this, this is the whole yeah the, the, this is a whole uh, long-standing uh, plan of uh, the, the, of the government to uh, kind of relieve Schiphol or spread the traffic better by basically moving all short-haul flights uh, from Schiphol to Lelystad and letting Schiphol just concentrate on the more lucrative like transatlantic long-haul flights yeah. um, but uh, yeah the government had hoped to open up Lelystad to holiday traffic in 2020 and if you drive up to Flevoland there are still kind of signs to Lelystad airport but it's not really being used uh, because um, yeah, it keeps being held up uh, it's been delayed by various problems it needed approval from Brussels and there were protests by people living in Flevoland uh, about low-flying planes uh, you might remember the sad trampoline protest uh, yeah. that we had uh, back a couple of years ago that was a, a famous op-hef uh, where, where, where people sort of decorated their trampolines with towels in the shape of a sad face as the test flight flew over. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and it's emerged also that the calculations of noise pollution uh, were, were wrong and residents would be far worse hit than was originally thought. Uh, so, yeah, the, 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 so, yeah so, so reopening Lely Stud is not is a far from easy solution either. Yeah, and um, a lot of uh, Christian supporters live in uh, the Veluwe area, yeah. so that's close to uh, to, to Lelystad Airport on the other side of the uh, of the province. Um, and they also fear a lot of noise pollution, uh, especially because a lot of these flying um, routes uh, uh, come paths, over. Yeah flight paths are coming over uh, uh, these particular uh, Christenunie strongholds. So yeah, they are very, uh, also in the formation, they are f- probably very, uh, very much opposed to opening this, uh, this airport. And yeah, uh, yeah uh, it's, um, we're going to see uh, what's happening there. Yeah, it's, 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 it would be terrible to think that their, their Sunday, Sunday mornings are going to be stirred by the noise of planes rather than church bells clanging loudly. It's a- if your Christmas plans have been grounded this year, or we just want to celebrate the fact we've almost got a government again, why not treat yourself and us to a sponsorship on Patreon? As ever, all new patrons get a free shout-out on the podcast, and you can ask us your questions about anything at all. We have one new anonymous patron this week, so we'd like mm. to say thank you very much uh, to thank that you. person, and to everyone out there whose contributions have kept us going throughout this uh, difficult COVID year. Our new patron has two questions for us. Uh, first is, uh, how come you're shamefully ignoring the fantastically Dutch bureaucratic scandal at the top of the Dutch Cricket Association, the KNCB? And also, what obscure Dutch idiomatic phrase is most useful for incomers to learn? Well, to start with the first uh, question, the cricket yeah. scandal, I mean, to add another layer of complicating <laughs> stuff on top of cricket, which is already incomprehensible, in my opinion, uh, yeah. that's just too much. So, yeah, that's the reason why I'm ignoring it. That's uh, 
Uh, it's my choice. No, uh, Gordon, you looked into it. It's what what is what is happening there? I did have a look at it. It is a very kind of Dutch bureaucratic scandal. It's all to do with the reorganisation of uh, Dutch cricket, and there's been a big fallout about it. And um, it really blew up really this week, uh, following a meeting um, at the start of December. It's been rumbling along. I think for people, insiders in Dutch cricket have been quite aware of being problems for a long time. It's really only really hit the national media uh, this week, and that's the point at which uh, we get interested in it because, frankly, we don't have a lot of time to to talk about sports and. Uh, you know, we don't follow the, the ins and outs of minor sports in, in the Netherlands uh, to, to that closely. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, Stephen Lubbers, who's the former vice chairman of the County Bay and a former national captain, uh, gave an interview, scathing interview to uh, to Stentor newspaper, uh, Dan hmm. Deventer, saying that the Dutch Cricket Association is on the brink of collapse over this kind of restructuring. There's a website called EmergingCricket.com that uh, has got very uh, well-informed and um, extensive coverage of this. So I'd, uh, hmm. I will link to that in our liner notes but i'm just going to read one sentence out of this report that tells you it's uh, it's a very dutch uh, scandal it says there is a great deal of concern about the establishment of the kansai bay's wholly owned subsidiary cricket nederland bay fay and the board's appointment without a formal selection process of its first cao who, who is the same person who until april combined the roles of kansai bay chair and paid events manager of the of the bay fay the plc so yeah, but basically they do this classic thing. They're kind of outsourcing. They're they're destru- they're restructuring. They're kind of regionalizing. Um, and there's a whole row about uh, whether people should uh, should or shouldn't have dual roles. It's also very uh, bureaucratic and uh, complicated. And probably somewhere somebody it started off. I think probably must have done where somebody sent a ticky for a, a plate of sandwiches <laughs> and uh, but but didn't su- submit the bonnature and it's all escalated yeah, from there. That's my feeling. Yeah, yeah but it, it is it is I think something worth getting into at a later date and uh, we will try and investigate it properly yeah I, I was going to say it, it sounds like it was a good decision to ignore it but uh, apparently we are going to look into it well I don't know I think also the, 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 it's still it's still ongoing it's not clear what the outcome is going to mm. be and I think uh, you know w- 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 once uh, they, they actually start getting the cricket bats out and swatting each other with them then I think that's the point when uh, yeah, yeah, w- w- when we'll maybe cover it he, uh, I looked up this Stephen Lubbers guy you're talking about. Uh, yeah. He only has a Wikipedia page in English, not in Dutch, right. and also one in uh, Marathi, which is yeah. a language I don't know. So, um, yeah, famous guy. Yes. But the other question is one that maybe you're better qualified to address. Which, well, he says obscure Dutch idiomatic phrase is most useful for incomers to learn, and then gives "app out de mouw" as an example, which I don't think is that obscure. Mm, what is the English equivalent uh, uh, for this? So let the cat out the bag. I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Something's revealed that betrays your true intentions or your true meaning. Yeah, I, I think if you are looking for. Um, obscure idiomatic phrases relating to uh, uh, animals. I think you would definitely want to um, know van een mug een olifant maken. Yeah. So uh, turn a mosquito into an elephant. So yeah. uh, 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 exaggerating a very minor, small problem into... Yeah, um, yeah, the, 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 yeah that's like um, um, yeah, making a mountain out of a molehill. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a related one is uh, "storm in a glass water," which in English in English is a storm in a teacup, which is very, (laughs) I think, a revealing contrast. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I think the the most important idiomatic phrase you want to know in Netherlands is "twee halen een betalen." Yeah, that's really important. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. and also "dat kan niet." I mean, that's, that's not idiomatic, it. but that's a phrase that just, you need to know the meaning of that. That just means, yeah. d- d- just forget it. I mean, yeah, that's that is like serious, finally, it's not going to happen. You know, yeah, there is no room for negotiating. Uh, definitely, yeah. 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 Um, picking up from Storm and the Klaas Vata, the, the, a lot of the Dutch metaphors obviously are to do with, the, do with water and seafaring and all kinds of things. You know, so like a dwelling with a crown open is one of my favorites. <laughs> we don't really have an Eng- equivalent for that in English. And I, I see it so much. And I think, why don't we have an, uh, you know, a phrase that, covers that meaning of you know sort of treating the symptoms rather than the cause basically mopping up while the tap's still running so you know when you should just switch the tap off uh, yeah, if, if, if fighting a running battle. No, yeah, it's it, it's not yeah, really the same like, thing. It, it just means that you're counterproductive, right? Yeah, it, it means that your your efforts to, to to fix a problem are actually not making it any better. You're, you're no. wasting your wasting your effort. Yeah, yeah. Or you are focusing on the wrong aspects of the problem. Right? Exactly. You're, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you're sort of dealing with the visible aspect, but not the actual root cause. Yeah. But it's so useful in the way we don't have it. And also, just my my, my all time favorite, I think, just for sheer bizarre value, is uh, Allah Hens on Deck, which we discussed before. Yeah, because it has an English 
origin or something? What, yeah, it's, it's just the English phrase "all hands on deck." But for some reason, they've translated all all the words in the phrase except one, and then inserted this "hens," which is like a bastardization of "hands," rather yeah. than just going for the you know the the, the Dutch words available. There isn't a there isn't a hen hens. It's not a Dutch word. No, no it's exactly. Just, uh, it only exists in this phrase, right? Yeah, strange. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there, there are plenty of them. We should make a list for DutchNews.nl, I think, with uh, obscure, weird, idiotic phrases that you definitely need to need to know while you're living in the Netherlands. Yeah, we should. That, that's a good idea, I think. Yeah. If you'd like to become one of our Patreon sponsors just in time for Christmas, log on to www.patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com/slash DutchNewsNL. Princess Amalia celebrated her 18th birthday on Tuesday, and that means that the eldest daughter of King Willem-Alexander is now old enough to uh, take the throne in case her father dies or steps down or abdicates or decides to... Um, Go and live on an island somewhere? Or? Yeah, mo- move to England, I don't know, for some reason. <laughs> um, the Princess of Orange uh, couldn't uh, sleep away her birthday party hangover because the very next day she was expected at Kneuterdijk Palace in The Hague, where she was sworn in as a member of the Council of State. Uh, the Raad van State, as it's called in Dutch, is the government's and parliament's highest advisory board and the nearest thing we also have to a constitutional court. Constitutionally, King Willem-Alexander is the president of the Council of State, and now Amalia has turned 18, she, as heir presumptive to the throne, has a right to a seat as well. Even though, like her father and mother, she uh, doesn't have any voting right, which I didn't know was a thing. Her installation was broadcasted live by the NOS and was watched by a surprising number of one million people. That for a uh, Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, so didn't they all have jobs to go to? I suppose everyone's working from home now. So this yeah, it just means that the yeah everyone is listening to the government. Uh, so that's a, that's a good sign. Yeah, and uh, so, so what actually happened at the ceremony? Yeah, she was um, uh, brought in by her uh, father Badi Arm. Uh, she uh, delivered a speech at her installation. Yeah, this whole thing could be regarded as her first official duty as a, a senior royal. Yeah, she delivered a speech and she addressed her father as chairman, quote, for once. Uh, and she said that she would endeavor to become a good student. Uh, the speech was also highly praised by virtually every media outlet, as well as on social media. She went on to say that she still has much to learn about the tasks of the government and the administrative process. But yeah, she's that she's very eager to learn. She also said she hopes the moment she will take over as chair would be a very long way into the future. But she admitted that she's fully aware it could be uh, as soon as tomorrow. The vice president of the council, Tom de Graaf, who, interestingly enough, uh, has been a vocal supporter of giving the king only a ceremonial role and applauded the abolition of the constitutional convention to include the monarch in the formation process, said he hopes Princess Amalia will have the opportunity to explore other worlds like any 18-year-old can. The ceremony concluded in the palace's garden, where uh, Amalia planted a tree. Hmm. Uh, because, yeah, that's what you do as a royal, of course. You plant trees. You plant trees and you cut ribbons. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's got uh, as well as learning about the intricacies of the Dutch constitution. She also learn, needs to learn how to dig a hole and put a tree in it. It's very important. <laughs> yeah. well, she doesn't dig the hole, does she? Someone else digs a hole. Yeah. Somebody else does. Somebody <laughs> even plants the tree. She just uh, puts yeah. a, a little bit of soil in the gap, and that's what exactly yeah, that's what the ceremony is always about. Yeah, yeah, you you could definitely see that her father was very proud of her, mm-hmm. and also um, it is interesting to see the contrast between her. And her father, because, you know, when when, uh, Willem-Alexander turned 18, he, for example, gave in an interview, he said that if that constitutional convention of uh, including the monarch in the formation process until 2012, the monarch was the informateur, right? She would always invite everyone and and lead the um, uh, initial talks. Yeah. That was abolished in 2012. And Willem-Alexander said when he turned 18 that if that is abolished and he doesn't see any point in becoming king. That was the only appealing thing he saw in becoming king. So ironically for him in 2012, this was abolished. He became king in 2013. So he wasn't given the chance to uh, to at least uh, perform this task once. Mm-hmm. But he has uh, uh, since then accepted that, uh, that role. Uh, but it is the, the contrast between Amalia, who has accepted her fate mm. uh, already, or seems to have accepted it already at the age of 18, compared to Alexander, who only came to that point uh, very late in his life. Yeah. And also Queen Beatrix, by the way, she also had a similar process. She always found it very unfair that she would become queen and not her sisters. That's a very interesting contrast. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So on the one hand, it's kind of bizarre that uh, somebody who's eighteen gets a seat on the yeah. constitutional court uh, just because they're the monarch. On the other hand, if they, if they are going to be involved in constitutional affairs and uh, they they have the formal role of signing away laws, then maybe it's good that they actually do see how it works from close up. And of course, she doesn't have a vote, so she can't actually affect the decisions. Except that no. I guess she gets to speak and raise points during meetings, but that's right. But she yeah. she doesn't have any decision power. No, no. Um, uh, and the king doesn't have that as well, right? No. If you sometimes talk to uh, people from abroad, they're very surprised that we have a monarchy, uh, that we have someone who inherits the position of head of state, which is mm. of course a weird thing if you really uh, think about it. But yeah. you know, we have arranged it such a way that the king doesn't have any actual power so in the end it doesn't really mean anything i guess yeah. or doesn't have any consequences but the king does have a certain amount of power and that is of course always behind closed doors in these sort of meetings the council of state meets every wednesday and the king can attend because he is the ceremonial president mm -hmm. of this body uh, he can raise points he can ask questions he also have meetings with the prime minister on monday every monday where you can also talk privately with him about who knows what. We don't know mm. what happens in uh, Beyond Closed Doors. Whether or not he should go on holiday to Greece this, this winter <laughs> and that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, but in the end, uh, the, the power of, of the monarch starts with how weak the other people are, I guess. Um, but this is, in the end, the Council of State, these meetings, is probably the closest thing we have to a school of kingship, I guess. Yes. And uh, it is probably very useful for Amalia to attend it regularly, even though she's not going to do that in the near future. She's uh, going to study. She has a gap year now and she's going to study yeah. next year. Yeah, take it easy. Easy, easy into the role. Easy into the role. That's also the reason why she decided to uh, not to take the uh, government's grant of one and a half million euros or something yeah. that she is, uh, has her right to. She has given that up uh, because she uh, said in a handwritten letter to the prime minister that she doesn't see any need for an 18-year-old who is just uh, a student, basically, uh, to have so, so much money at her disposal. Which, um, But I think this, uh, the, this appearance... Uh, really boosted her popularity. Yeah, it did, and I think it was a, it was quite a carefully crafted uh, PR exercise, yeah. you know, without any doubt. And uh, the of fact course. that it kind of shows that she's she's got good, she's got good advisors, you know, good good people telling her how to yeah how to present herself, which I guess is is something that you want to have if you're yeah. um, the, the the future monarch. Sports news: King Willem Alexander won't be going to Beijing for the Winter Olympics this winter. Hmm. Foreign Minister Ben Knappen said the King took the decision some time ago because of the coronavirus pandemic. The King is a keen mm -hmm. sports fan and an honorary member of the International Olympic Committee. He gave up his seat when he became King, which uh, must have been a tough choice. Uh, do I stay on on the IOC or uh, yeah, to, to, to <laughs> take, the, take the throne of, uh, uh, from my mother? Either way, there's a lot of money involved, I guess. There's so, a lot of money uh, involved, yeah, and a lot of meetings, yeah. but uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But there is also uh, growing calls for a diplomatic boycott to the Games as well. Now, because this week, Joe Biden's administration said uh, the United States would not be sending government officials to the Games because of China's human rights atrocities, specifically the mass detention and genocide of its Uyghur population. So the, the athletes are still going? The athletes are still going, yeah. So it's not really a boycott? It's not really a boycott, no. The, the people that you never see uh, will not <laughs> be having <laughs> fancy dinners in Beijing so all right yeah. yeah but the games are still going ahead Australia Canada and the UK have all since uh, withdrawn their delegations as well uh, it seems to have irked Beijing who've accused the other countries of playing politics the trader Kama voted recently not to boycott the games in Beijing, not even to have a diplomatic boycott, uh, but Hun Links Desesestech and the Christian Uni, of course two of those parties are going to be in the coalition, are planning to table a new motion uh, following the Americans' decision. Desesestech foreign affairs spokesman Short Shortsma, who was blacklisted by the Chinese government earlier this year, said the European Union had missed a chance to be more proactive in international relations and they shouldn't wait for the Americans to open up their geopolitical umbrella. He has a point there, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of uh, Europe, how is Ajax going? They've made it uh, six wins out of six in the Champions League this week, uh, so pretty impressive. 4-2 uh, win against Sporting Lisbon in Amsterdam. They now go by the name of Sporting Portugal, apparently. Don't know why. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. Uh, Ajax's modest and self-effacing coach, Eric Ten Hag, said, We won deservedly with imposing and attractive football. That's very pleasing. Hmm. Sebastian Allaire scored his 10th goal of the campaign and matched Cristiano Rodallo's record of scoring in every group match and Ajax will now be one of the seeded teams in the second round draw which takes place on Monday. 
In the Europa League, uh, PSV needed a draw against Real Sociedad to progress, but they didn't get it. They lost 3-0 and had Ibrahim oh. Sangare sent off into the bargain. So they now drop down into the Conference League uh, or the kind of uh, yeah, the, the, the drop, pick and mix league or something, where they'll now be joined by Azat Alkmaar and Feyenoord. Both those teams had already qualified and just to make sure they won their final group matches. But Fitesa Arnhem still don't know their fate. Uh, they beat Czechside Mura 3-1, uh, but the match between Tottenham and Wren was called off in farcical circumstances because of an outbreak of coronavirus in the Tottenham squad. Uh, basically, Tottenham sent an email to Wren this week saying the game was still going ahead, even though seven of their players had tested positive. So Wren travelled across the channel, at which point Tottenham said, uh, actually, you know what, we don't want to play. And okay. then they contacted UEFA and UEFA called the match off. And Vitesse, of course, deeply unhappy with this because they've already played their game and Tottenham now yeah. know that if they win the game, they will go through uh, instead of Vitesse. Hmm. Yeah. So... A lot of drama there. Yeah, a lot of acrimony. And uh, yeah, Dutch clubs have won 30 matches in Europe this uh, this autumn, which is an all-time record. All right. Well, very well done by uh, the Dutch teams. But before that, we've also got a climax uh, to the Grand Prix season in Abu Dhabi, right? Yeah, the climax. Yeah. See, see, what, <laughs> see, what, see what I did there? Yeah. Lots uh, of puns this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton go into this weekend's final race in Abu Dhabi neck and neck. Uh, Verstappen has a tiny advantage because he's won one more race over the season. So if yeah. they both crash out, and plenty of British commentators are suggesting Verstappen might do a Schumacher and take out his rival, uh, the title will go to Max. Otherwise, it's a winner-takes-all scenario. Whoever crosses the line first out of those two will take the title, unless one of them gets a time penalty. So, yeah, all clear? Yeah, they are level in the in the world championship. In the points, uh, yeah. In the points, right? Two hundred. What is it? Seventy six. Three hundred and sixty nine and a half. And a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Who could have thought that? It almost looks like this is this is staged by the uh, by the FIA or by the uh, Liberty Group that owns the uh, Formula One season. <laughs> I mean, who could have thought that these two drivers would have the same amount of points at the end at the final race of the season? And usually, Abu Dhabi is the most boring race. Of all because yeah it, it's not a very interesting circuit uh, anyway and also usually mm. the because it's always the last race the championship is always uh, decided well in advance and now it's finally going to be an interesting race i think and um a lot of people in the netherlands will be uh, will be watching uh, 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 the race on sunday um, yeah. crazy it's just insane yeah it is it's nuts and yeah, people are f- flying out lots of people from the Netherlands flying out to Abu Dhabi to watch the race and hope that Max is a champion there's, uh, there, there, there was a, a classic quote I think from somebody at the airport who said uh, yeah you know human rights is a bit of a worry but uh, <laughs> yeah we, we, we want to see if Max is going to win the title <laughs> yeah that's uh, that's the approach in uh, 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 world championships um, in any sports I think yeah but yeah it's um very exciting and yes, um, nobody. Who do you think it's going to be, Paul? Yeah, it, it just can go any way. I mean, yeah. it, because they are level, it can go any way. It's just uh, it's it's fifty fifty. I think. Yeah. Uh, every tiny mistake, every uh, time penalty you have, if a pit stop fails, if if if, if or if, from either one, right? For either one of these races, yeah, uh, that could mean that uh, that the championship slips away and. Um, I just don't want to jinx it. Um, yeah, I just hope whoever wins wins in the race. You know that we don't have a crash, accidental or deliberate, because that yeah. will spoil it. Yeah, yeah. Or, or an engine failure or something like that. So I hope it's yeah, actually first across the line. It's just it. let's let's hope it will be a, a very nice race and yeah. um, um, nothing deliberate or, or technical problems that would be that would be catastrophic. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. that'll be an anticlimax. Yeah. We have quite a lot of uh, Rembrandt news this week. Uh, let's start with the uh, standard bearer. That's a uh, painting by the Dutch master. On Wednesday, it was announced that the masterpiece will come to the Netherlands for good, but that comes with a small price tag. The Dutch state will uh, be allocating an unprecedented 150 million euros for the purchase of the painting, which shows a scene from the 80 years war, or the um, Dutch uh, war of independence, uh, as it's uh, better known in English, I think. The total price for the painting, which is currently owned by the Rothschild family, is 175 million euros. The rest of the money comes from donations to the Rijksmuseum Fund and the Rembrandt Association. On Tuesday, the French government announced it was lifting the export ban on the masterpiece, and that gave the green lights to the purchase. The ban was installed in an effort to keep the painting on French soil three years ago, after the Rothschild family announced its intention to sell the masterpiece, uh, which is 
is uh, Rembrandt's most important work still in private hands, according to experts. The plan is that the painting will tour the Netherlands and will be shown in all 12 provinces, including Flevoland, oh. which didn't exist when, yes. uh, yeah, uh, we, when we Rembrandt painted it. just underwater um, at the time. It was, it was yeah. a swamp. Yeah. No, it was a sea. It was yeah, the, it, was, uh, it was a sea. It wasn't even a swamp. Twent was no. no, Twent. Yeah, Twent was a swamp back yeah. then. But uh, yeah, and uh, actually Holland as well, right? Uh, a lot I of it. Yeah, the Haarlemmermeer yeah. was a yeah, yeah, was a, yeah definitely. Yeah. So it will tour uh, the Netherlands, all twelve provinces, and after that, it will find uh, uh, its final place in the Rijksmuseum, uh, where it was also displayed in 2019 in a special exhibition. Rijksmuseum director Taco Dibbets, yes, that's a real name, <laughs> believes that the painting belongs in the Netherlands because it is deeply connected to Dutch history. In 2014, a diplomatic row between the Netherlands and France broke out over two pendant paintings of uh, Martin and Opien. They were depicted at their wedding, right? Uh, the yeah. two portraits uh, uh, of them in their wedding clothes, uh, also by Rembrandt uh, and also sold by the Rothschild family. Um, the two countries uh, settled on a dual ownership and the paintings are exhibited uh, alternatingly in the Louvre Museum and the Rijksmuseum. Yeah. But this time this painting will become in Dutch hands in its entirety and not a shared uh, uh, ownership. Yeah, yeah. Um, but not everyone's happy with uh, this purchase, right? No, no, you could say that because mm. uh, yeah, a lot of eyebrows were raised uh, when the amount of money spent on the paintings was uh, announced. 150 million euros of uh, taxpayers' money. And uh, yeah, some commentators said that uh, the government is taking the national interest for granted here. Uh, some say it is inappropriate to spend so much tax money on art in times of crisis. And a poll by Hart van Nederland showed that the majority of people People rather see the money spent on healthcare or on uh, giving healthcare workers uh, a bonus, for example. Yeah. Or maybe give uh, healthcare workers each a Rembrandt painting. <laughs> it's shared ownership by, but, but, yeah. by every... Yeah, that would be a smart yeah. idea. L- nice symbolic gesture. Mm-hmm. And also people working in the cultural sector are unhappy. They have seen increasing uh, subsidy cuts in the government's cultural budget for many years now. And they also feel overlooked in the government's corona support packages. Hmm. Uh, They are supported uh, by GroenLinks, PvdA and SP, who announced that they demand a 150 million euro support package aimed at the cultural and creative sector uh, in light of this uh, decision. They say if we spend so much money on one painting, then we can uh, also spend that uh, amount on people who are actually working yeah, now on living artists yeah, yeah. on living artists yeah, yeah. who uh, let's be honest here tend not to produce as good quality paintings as Rembrandt did but that's uh, a different story mm. um, that's my inner Thierry Baudet speaking it here. is yeah I noticed that yeah. <laughs> the Tweede Kamer has to approve the purchase and they will vote on it next week I wasn't yeah. aware the Tweede Kamer need to approve this but yeah it's, oh, I uh, guess with that amount of money they, they should really yeah makes sense yeah uh, and there's also news about uh, another famous Rembrandt painting, The Night Watch. Yes, uh, that's the most famous piece by Rembrandt and it's currently undergoing renovations in a glass box in the main gallery of the Rijksmuseum. Researchers are using and combining 25 different scanning techniques and they have discovered previously unknown sketches behind the painting. Uh, it sh- uh, the painting shows, of course, the Night Watch of Nachtwacht in, in Dutch. It shows a civic militia marching out to defend Amsterdam. Yeah, led, led by Captain Frans Banningkok. Which is uh, one of the great Dutch (laughs) names as well. Exactly. And the museum describes the discovery as uh, allowing us to look over Rembrandt's shoulder while he was painting uh, the painting. The sketches, which can be seen in the so-called uh, calcium mapping of the painting, shows that Rembrandt initially planned to paint feathers on helmets. Uh, he had other leg positions in mind, and there was also something about a dog. There's always a dog in these Dutch There's paintings. There's always a dog, yeah. 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 Unfortunately, the research also shows that the painting was damaged when it was moved in 2003 and 2013 at the start and the end of the museum's major renovations so the museum is now planning to repair the damages right just interesting that they only found this out now and that i know nobody's it, noticed uh, them you know like millions of people see this painting every year so it must have been quite uh, minor or invisible damage yeah that's all that we have for you this week this podcast is a production of dutch news which can be found online at dutchnews.nl we will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. And you can also now back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl and earn yourself a free shout out on the podcast. My thanks to Paul Peters, I'm Gordon Derricher and we'll be back next year or possibly sooner. We will see. 
We'll see. How come you're shamefully ignoring the fantastically Dutch bureaucratic scandal at the top of the Dutch Critic Association? So, start again. How come you're shamefully ignoring the fantastically Dutch bureaucratic scandal at the top of the Dutch Critic... <laughs> <laughs> I can't say cricket. 